So I, th- I always think that on a day like today, it's, um, it's kind of appropriate to tell the story of how City Hope got started. And, and some of you, if you've been through Growth Track, I, I share a little bit about that story in Growth Track, but I want to kind of give you the short version today and just, just kind of rehash with you. Let's not forget how this thing got started. It was back in 2007. I was on staff at a church in, in Alabama, a church called Daystar Church, and, and it's located in Coleman. It's Birmingham, Huntsville, and Coleman was right in the middle. And we were part of that church uh, for about three years at this point when one of our pastors felt called to go plant a church somewhere. And I'd never heard of church planting. I didn't know what it was, didn't know that there were organizations that helped church planters, that taught. I didn't know anything about it. But we were having a conversation out in the parking lot one day of a converted grocery store. That's where we, we had church. It was Dodge City, Alabama. We always said we got to get the heck out of Dodge because there wasn't nothing there, right? And, uh, and so we were having the conversation. He said, maybe Daystar will help you plant a church one day. And that's the beginning of the dream. That day, a seed was planted in my life. And I, I can't explain it other, other than it was supernatural, that God put something in me that said, yeah, I think I want to do that one day. I think I want to start a church one day. And, and so we, we weren't ready, of course, nowhere close to it. So we just tucked that dream away in our hearts. And we thought maybe one day God will open up the doors for us to be able to start a church Here's what we did know. We knew it would be in Wichita Falls. We knew it would be here. I, I just had this supernatural love for the city, even while I was serving on staff at another church in Alabama. So fast forward about 10 years. It's January 2017, and it is the, it's, it's the worst start to any year that we could have imagined. It, we were miserable. Like on the inside, we were miserable. And I want to tell you, on the outside, we had everything together. We had, we had it all. We were living the American dream. We had a brand new home and a brand new subdivision uh, with the neighborhood pool. And, and we had the uh, uh, best schools in the state of Alabama. We were living in the fastest growing region with everything at your fingertips right in the southeast. We had, we had um, the, the, the newest schools in our area. Oh, man, it was great. Low taxes, by the way. Come on, somebody. Low taxes in Alabama. It was awesome. Everything looked good on paper, but, but on, on the inside, we were falling apart. We knew something was wrong, and I was looking for ways out. I was like, I, I, I love the church. I love what I do here. I just, something's not right. And fast forward. Oh, by the way, let me just remind you that sometimes God lets you go through stuff like that so that he'll get you to a point where you're willing to transition, where you're willing to step into a new season. Sometimes he'll let you be miserable until you're willing to step out in faith into a new season. It's like when the eagle takes the, the, the dow out of the eaglet's uh, nest and, and she just says, hey, it's time for you to fly. Go. Good luck, right? And, and that's kind of what God was doing with me. He was taking the things out that were comfortable, making me uncomfortable, making us uncomfortable. So Fast forward to August 2017, uh, we had one of our ministry coaches and a good friend of mine named Ed Funderburg. He was visiting our church, and uh, he still is my ministry coach to this day. I love that man. He's going to be here in May. I, I'm looking forward to that. And he, uh, so he was visiting, and I was dropping him off at, at the hotel. We'd spend a day together. 
And he just kind of heard things that were going on in my life. And, and before he got out of the vehicle, he said, Ben, how old are you? And I, I said, I'm 35. And he said, that's the ripe age of a church planter. Okay. And it was like in that moment right there, in that moment in the suburban, sitting in front of the hotel, Coleman, Alabama, God breathed fresh life back into that dream. And I knew this, is, this was what we were supposed to pursue. But I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We were scared. We didn't. How are we going to do this? How, how's, how's this going to happen? How are we going to accomplish this vision that God's given us? And so we just begin to pray about it. We begin to talk to God about it. I talked to my pastor. And, and he said, hey, we will do anything we have to do to keep you here at Daystar. We will create any position that you want. If we don't have one for you, we'll make one for you. We just want to keep you here. But... If this is of God, we'll bless you too. We want to bless you. So we just, we just knew that we're supposed to pursue this. And so on October the 17th, October the 9th rather, I wrote about this in my journal. October the 9th, 2017, I wrote, for years I've had a dream to plant a life-giving church in Wichita Falls. This dream goes all the way back to our Dodge City days. Remember the grocery store parking lot with my friends? I believe now may be the season to do it. I can't stop thinking about it. On July 17, 2012, I wrote about the dream to plant in my journal, but I didn't list where. And the reason I didn't list where, because I was scared. I, I, I wasn't like, is this for real? I didn't want to verbalize it. And I said, I, I, didn't list, I didn't say where. I was scared then as I am now. I know that I have nothing to fear and that God will provide. For, so for now on, I'm, go, I'm not going to focus on fear or failure. We are victorious. And I wrote out the dream once again, but this time with more passion and detail. I said, I dream of starting a church in Wichita Falls, Texas. This church will be a place of hope for the city. It will, be, it, it will show people a new or better way to know God. We'll reach new folks. And let me just pause here and say, when I say a new or better way, I'm not saying that what other churches are doing is, is, is not okay or that it's wrong. I'm just saying I wanted, I wanted to help people know God in a life-giving way, in a new way, that maybe they thought they could never have an intimate relationship with God, but you can't, right? And so I said, it's going to be a place that shows people a new or better way to know God. We'll reach new folks and we'll reach out to the city to, to show the love of Christ, but it will also be a place of hope for the overchurched and the dechurched. What an overchurched person is, is somebody who they, they go to church, they're in a church somewhere, but they really are lifeless in their relationship with the Lord. They've been going so long, they're just going through the motions. They're just doing their duties, and God has more for that. And a de-churched person is someone who's been hurt by the church and who said, I will never go back. Those people will never see me again. They got hurt by the church. They love Jesus, but not the church. And we exist for those people. And I said, check this out. It's going to be, a, 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 I see revival for that city. I wrote this over three years ago. And do you know the word that I said for us is this year? What's the word? Revival. I see revival for this city. I see revival here. I, I, I see a place that makes a difference in every generation. I see young and old together. Come on, just look around the room right now. There's gray heads. There's babies. There's, there's 
old people, there's young people. Come on, look around the room. Look around the room. Look around the room and see that there's young and old together. Hey, come on. Some of y'all thinking I am the old person. <laughs> I am the young person, right? But this was part of my, my dream. I could see young and old together, a multi-generational church, a church that uh, like, like grandmas and grandpas can come to, but their grandkids can come to as well. Amen? I see people from every generation, young and old. I see, I see people encouraged and living free. I see small groups being a vital part of their lives. I see a culture of hope, life, expectancy, encouragement, transformation. I see a church that makes a difference outside of the four walls. I see a city's church. And what I mean by that is a, a church in the city where when, when nobody knows where to turn to, we can count on city hope. I don't know where else I could go, but I can count on city hope, a city's church. I see the favor of God on this church and its people. I see a leadership team that rises to the occasion. I see people passionate to win their friends to Christ. I see a city covered in prayer, surrounded by hope, loved by God. I see the hand of God on this place, this city, this church, and this call. Amen? So needless to say, after after kind of writing that dream out, we were just all in. I'm just, we, we, were, we were in it to win it. We weren't going anywhere. We, 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 we had our vision. We had our purpose laid out before us. So we started going to church plant training. We partnered with the Association of Related Churches, which is someone that we, we had known of at that point then for a, quite a while. And we, we started doing church planting training. We started raising funds and and. Every chance we got, we would come out to Wichita Falls. We'd, we'd take our, our spring breaks, our fall breaks, our summers. We would come out here and we'd meet with people. And we moved here in 2018, June of 2018. We'd sold just about everything we owned. We, had, we, we bought a house, half the price, with half the income and half the size that it was in Alabama. And we said, if, if we're going to do this, we're going all in. We're going all in. And we started meeting with people. We started, we, we started what we called startup parties, and we would tell people the vision of the church, and we'd say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. You want to be part of it? And through that process, 65 people said, yeah, I'll, I'll lock arms with you. Come on, if, you, if you're one of those 65, if you were with us on the launch team, would you lift your hand? Let's see if anybody here. Yeah, I got a couple people around. Yeah, y'all look around for a second. Look at the hands that are up, because not everybody's got their hands up. And look what, hey. On January 27, 2019, 639 people walked through the doors of McNeil Middle School. We broke every fire code there was. <laughs> and listen, 65 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ that day. Come on, let's give him all the praise and all the glory and honor. Yeah. We actually had families, we had two families that moved here from Alabama to help us start this church. They're here with us to this day. And I'm so grateful for their investment into this place. So, so that's, that's the story. It turns out to be a little bit longer <laughs> probably than I thought. But what I want to do today is I, I, I want to just I wanna say this. Um, Psalm 115 says, hey, you, you didn't do any of that. It's not, not to us, O Lord, but to you, your name go all, goes all the glory. Not to us, Lord, but to your name goes all the glory. And I just think one more time, I don't want us to move on without really just saying thank you, God, for what he's done here. He did it, 
not us. Come on, one more time. Let's give him all the praise. We thank you, Jesus, and we praise you. Amen. Well, I want to I want to keep our series going right now, um, and I want to talk about how it's time. All right, the last few weeks I've been beep beeping you. All right, today I'm gonna I want to talk about how I believe it's time to rebuild the church. And I know what you're thinking, like, well, Pastor Ben, we we just built this place, man. We we <laughs> we ain't rebuilding it, man. We this listen. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about this building. I'm saying it's time to rebuild us as the church. Okay. Because ever since March of last year, COVID, 2019 hit, church attendance across the board has done this. It's plummeted. More than 50% of people are not coming back to the church. And we're not 100% sure why. I know that many of you are watching because you're cautious and we respect that and understand that. But some people have, have, have just gotten out of the habit and some people have just said, I'm not going back. I'm just not going back. I'm not, I'm not going. And... They've lost their faith. Maybe, here's, here's my concern, is that they're, that they're beginning to quarantine their Christianity. All right? And that if we're not careful, that'll happen to us too. Well, we, we just, well, we got to shelter in place, so I'm going to shelter my Christianity in place too. I got to quarantine this over here, so I got to quarantine my Christianity. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. This is a year to rebuild the local church not just, in, um, not just this one, I'm talking about to see the local church in Wichita Falls rebuilt, to see it rebuilt in Texas and in our nation, to see the local church excel like never before. Because I believe that on the hills of crazy things like happened, what, what happened last year, on the hills of that, God can do something amazing this year. I believe that. And I believe he wants to start it right here. I believe he wants to do it in us. And so I want to talk about seven things. I'll give you seven things that... That these are things that Annalise and I thought through, wrote down, and prayed about before we ever moved to Wichita Falls. These are seven things that we knew we wanted this church to be driven by. And we don't talk about them very often because we just try to show you what we want instead of just tell you what we want. But I, I want this for your life, and I want it for this church, that this year we're going to do these seven things. We're going to rebuild this year. Number one is this. We're going to have over-the-top grace. Over-the-top grace. We wrote this over three years ago. Went on our website right away. It's been there the whole time. We just, we just don't visit it very much to, to share with you because we're trying to show you what that looks like. Over-the-top grace. And what that means is that we believe that in God's reckless pursuit of the one, that if the whole reason we show up as a church today is for one person to come to know Jesus Christ, it was worth every bit of it. If the whole reason we planted this church and came to Wichita Falls was for the one, the ragamuffin. Well, that's kind of a funny word. Ben. Yeah, that's, uh, we're talking about somebody who just doesn't, they don't have it all together. They're lost. They're broken. They're, they're pitiful. They're, they're an orphan. Somebody who, they, they've messed up pretty bad. Maybe it was a result of their mistake that put them in the situation that they're in. But no one is too far gone. No one is too far gone. And I know that sometimes we, we think to ourselves, oh, Pastor Ben, you don't know about that guy. You don't know about him. He, he doesn't need over-the-top grace. I mean, he, he really has messed up too bad. You don't know his story. He doesn't deserve over-the-top grace. And I would just respond by saying, neither do you. 
Oh, because that's exactly what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is undeserved privilege. That when somebody walks through the doors and we think they don't deserve it, guess what God gives them? Grace. He gives it to them. And so what we're going to do as a church is we're going to give over-the-top grace to people because he did it for us. I, I, love, I love the parable of, of Matthew 18. It's the parable of the lost sheep. And Jesus says, hey, see that you don't despise one of these little ones. Let me be clear. He's not talking about little kids here. He's talking about the lost. How do you know? I'll show you in a second. See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Let me say it this way. If you see somebody walk through the doors and you go, oh, I don't know about him being here. When, when the angels see his face, they see the face of the Father. Why do they see the face of the Father? Because he or she was made in the image of God, just like you were. And so we're going to extend this over-the-top grace. He says, they see my Father when they look at him. It goes on in verse 11. Here's how I know he's not talking about little ones, kids. He says, because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, the little ones, the ones that nobody cares about, the one, the ragamuffin, the, the, the person that people have chalked up as a loss, the addict, right? He came to seek and save them. And he says, think about it this way. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And, and what has happened in a lot of our churches is that we've gotten to this place where we go, well, pastor, you should be here focused on us, not the one that ran off. You, you, need, to be doing, you need to be doing for me and mine. Right? But Jesus says, no, 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 no. If, if, if he finds that sheep, he's going to be happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. He's going to be ecstatic. Oh, man, thank you. Thank, thank you, Father. I found the sheep. He's going to be pumped about that one sheep. And so may we never, let me, let me say it this way. In verse 14, in the same way, your, your Father in heaven is not willing. He doesn't want any of his little ones to perish. But, hey, what we're going to do is extend over-the-top grace. So this isn't just a parable about the grace that God's given to us. It's a parable about, hey, you need to extend the same kind of grace. So may we never, ever, ever be the kind of church that thumbs their nose up at people. Because they don't look right, act right, smell right, talk right. Come on, am I preaching? All right, all right, all right, here we go, yeah. Amen. I love this over-the-top grace because I needed it in my own life. I needed it in my own life. The second thing is this. It's time. It's time that we're we going to rebuild this church. The local church is the hope of the world. We're going to build it on relentless hope. Relentless hope. If you're taking notes, jot that down. And by the way, aren't, I'm, aren't you thankful for these two side screens now where if you can't see it from one side, you can look over to the other? Yeah. Big shout out to our production team for making that happen. So, relentless hope. And, and here's the thought here, that we believe in a better today. That the past is in the past, that tomorrow is on its way, and we've got to live with purpose right now, in this moment. 
So, so the hope is, is this. The hope is, is everything to us. Like the past is the past. Quit worrying about that. Quit thinking about the past. You can't change it. But what you can do is live with purpose for today. And, and so many times we get bogged down with stuff that happens in life. We, we get frustrated. We get aggravated. We begin to lose hope. And can I tell you that when we lose hope as a church, we lose the ability to give hope as a church. If you don't have hope, you can't give hope. Are you with me? If you don't have it, you can't give it. And so we, this is who we are. I've, I've always wanted a church where hope was contagious, where when you walk through the doors, you just, you just feel the hope. You just feel like, man, there's something different about this place. Man, I, I don't know what it is, but something's rising up inside of me. I have hope today. You go from being a dope dealer to a hope dealer. Come on, somebody. Yo, what's up, man? I got, I got some hope for you. Got some hope right here, bro. What kind you need? Marriage? You need, you, need, you need financial hope? I got you, bro, right here. Come on, we got you. Hope is the hope. It's, Jesus is the hope of the world. It's in our name. We can't not give hope. If we, don't, if we stop giving hope, we need to change our name to City Don't Hope. City Can't Hope. City, forget about it, hope. We just, no hope. But no, 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 we're city hope. What, what do I mean? Hope of the city. The hope of this place. The hope of this block. The hope of this neighborhood. The hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And we've got him to give. Amen? Love Romans. Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. So let me, let me just... Make it simple for you. Since we have been made right in his sight, we have peace. Since we've been made right with God, we have peace with God. We've been made right with God, we have peace with God. But if you haven't been made right with God, you can't have peace with God. And I don't want us to forget that there's people walking through these doors that haven't been made right with God and they don't have his peace and they need the hope of Jesus. They need the hope of Jesus because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Verse 2 says... Because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved, undeserved privilege. What is that? Grace. That's grace. Grace is undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can be confident. We can be joyful. We can look forward to sharing in God's glory. Why? Because of what he's done for us. Because we've been made right with him. But not only that, but we can rejoice too when trials come. Remember in our, in our joy series, we, 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 our, our theme verse was from James. It was counted all joy when suffering abounds because it produces something in us. Paul says the same thing. He says we can rejoice when we run into problems, when we run into trials because they help us. It develops an endurance in us. It develops this relentless attitude inside of us that I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep asking God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to keep serving God. It develops endurance in us, which in verse four develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And I love this part. And this hope in verse five, this hope will not lead to disappointment. The hope that we have, that you've sought for so relentlessly, the hope in Jesus 
will not disappoint you. Can I get an amen there? This hope, it, it will see you through. It's relentless. And we, we've got to build, rebuild the church on a relentless hope. And not only do we need that relentless hope, but we've got to give that relentless hope to people. Number three, the third thing is this. Passionate worship. It's time to rebuild the local church on passionate worship. You know, um, not patty cake worship. You know what patty cake worship is. Patty cake, patty cake. Baker's man. Not golf clap worship. Oh, that was brilliant. Brilliant performance. No, no, no. I'm talking about passionate, God-filled, God-inspired worship. And, And here's the way we wrote it down three years ago. That we believe in the life-changing presence of God that floods our lives when we join in heartfelt worship. There's just something about it. When we get a group of people together like this, the presence of God, the power of God shows up. Lives are changed. People are healed. People are saved. It's incredible. What you felt early, earlier in the service, during the worship, that wasn't good song. That was the presence of God. And we need it in our lives. And, and, and I know that um, some of you are thinking, man, I, this is my first time here. Or maybe you've been coming for a while and you like it. But you're thinking to yourself, I, I, I kind of enjoy it. But like, what's the deal with standing up for 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> why do we got to do that? Why, why, why does the music get a little loud every once in a while? Why, 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 do we, why do people lift their hands? And some people shout and clap. And well, why? And I would, I would say that that's worship. That's the way that we worship God corporately. And, and the, the group of people up here on the platform, it's not a band. It's a, they're worship leaders. And they have a responsibility every single week to create an atmosphere of worship where our lives can be changed. Where we can step into what God has for us. We, where we can experience the power and the presence of God like never before. And I've always wanted a church where... I've always wanted a church where it was, more than a, it, was, it was more than just a song, right? It was more than just singing. It was more than just, just making melody, where, where it was passionate, where it was God-honoring, where, yeah, people got loud, a little loud every, every now and then. And, and, and here, here's, can I just tell you why I do that? It's because I remember what the scripture says, when he who has been forgiven much loves much I just can't help it I mean yeah well it's just emotion Pastor Ben you're just emotional yeah um, if, if somebody saved you from the pit of hell come on you probably get a little bit emotional about it right somebody pushed you out of a moving vehicle and took the took the hit for you man you, you'd be emotional and so I just get a little emotional sometimes when I worship God we need we need that so there's a story in, in John chapter 4 kind of illustrates this. Um, and I saw something here that I had never really seen before this week. This is the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And he's having a conversation with her. He, he kind of um, tells her some things about herself that, that he wouldn't be able to know unless he was a prophet. And so she says, oh, you must be a prophet. And he says, well, actually, I'm the Messiah. And then they start talking about worship. And she says, well, why do you Jews say you should worship here and we Samaritans worship over here? And he just kind of responds and says, hey, you know what? The time is coming. In fact, it's 
here right now. So if it was there now, then guess where it is now? Here, still here. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here right now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Okay, that, that word just means to, to come alive, to, to be fully engaged, authentic, sincere, and in truth, which means to come out of hiding. So what Jesus is saying is, there's a time coming when true worshipers will, they won't worship me unashamed. They, they won't worship me with shame in their heart. They'll worship me unashamed. They won't be embarrassed to worship me, but no, they're going to get a little crazy. They're going to come alive, fully alive in their worship. They're going to step out of hiding and out of their comfort zone and out of what people might think about them and all of that, and they're going to worship me fully engaged, authentic and sincere. And the Father's looking for people who worship that way. So that's, that's why we're trying to rebuild a church, a culture. This year, the, hey, we're going we're gonna to press in to worship. We're going to love God. It, hey, men are going to worship like you've never worshipped before. I'm praying that for you this year. Ladies, you're going to worship like you've never worshipped before. And then the, the next verse says, for God is spirit. And, and if you want to worship him, then this is the way to do it. That you worship him with kind of abandonment. I don't care what anybody else thinks, God. I'm going to I don't care who's behind me. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to sing and I'm going to I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to I'm going to do it unashamed, not in hiding, out in the open. Come on. Amen. So when when you do that though, here's the thing. When you do that, something's going to happen. When you get in an atmosphere like this and you worship, something happens. What is it? The presence of God comes down and you experience his power in a way maybe that you've never experienced his power before. And that's what I pray for this year, that we would experience his power. And can I just tell you this? When we get his power in our lives, when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, it revives us. It charges us. It, it, it makes a difference for our everyday living. Amen? All right. So the same way that, that I have a phone, right? Everybody's got a phone. And if I don't charge this phone every day, what's going to happen to it? It's going to go dead. I'm not going to be able to use it. I still got to pay the bill, but I'm not going to be able to use it. And your, your spirit's the same way. That every day, you've got to charge your spirit. Every day, you need a refuel. And listen, this can't be the only place that happens. This can't be the only place where you experience the power and the presence of God. Well, Brother Ben, I just really, I want to go deep in worship. Put a CD in your car, if they still make those. I don't know. Uh, turn on iTunes, right? I just really, I want, to, I, want to, I want to go deep in worship. Go deep on your own. And, and Like, you got to own it because you have to be a self-feeder. Because I don't have enough time to go to everybody's house this week and, and spoon a little bit of the word into you. I, I don't have that. I don't have that. The worship team can't go to all of your places of work and be like, let's sing together. Come on, let's stand up, everybody. <laughs> so you got to feed yourself. you got to tap into that power supply. And that is the presence of God. So our boys play sports we have four boys and they're all playing sports and we spend a lot of time at ballparks and when you're at ballparks all day 
on, on the weekend, your phone will just drain battery because you're wasting time on it and you're searching something. The other boys are playing with it and you just drain the battery. And, but well, the problem is that there's no power there because you're on, in the middle of a soccer field or you're at a baseball park somewhere and they, they don't have power just available to you. So, so you either got to conserve it or you got to recharge. And years ago, somebody invented these little things right here called a, a power bank. You know what I'm talking about? You just ch you charge this thing, and then if you're out hunting, if you're out riding your bike or at a ball game or whatever it is, then you, you, just, you have this. It's fully charged, and if your phone needs a recharge, you just plug it in, and you're good to go, right? This is brilliant. I love this. All right? In the same way, you need a recharge every day. And you're going to be in places in your life where you can't, you, it's not church. There's not two or 300 people in a room, or however many we have today, probably less than that. It looks, it looks fuller because the rows are spread out. But there's, you're not going to have that access, but you have a tool to experience the power and the presence of God every day of your life. It's called worship. Worship creates that atmosphere for you. So you just throw on iTunes, you begin to worship, and things change. Have, have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever experienced that before? It changes. So it's time to rebuild on, on passionate worship. Number four, I gotta hurry on. Number four is extravagant generosity. We gotta, we got we rebuilding this church on extravagant generosity. Not just this church. I think the church at large needs to be a generous church. And here's what we mean by that. We wrote this three years ago that we remember the sacrifice that, that God made for us and we simply want to make a difference with the resources he gives us. We simply want to make a difference. Lord, if you bless us, we're not going to hoard it all to ourselves. We're, we're going to be a blessing and we're going to send that out. We're not, we're not going to just keep it for us, God, because you bless us to be a what? A blessing. You bless us to be a blessing. So from the beginning, we've wanted to be an extravagant giving church and and why because it's the heartbeat of God um, think about it this way uh, it, it's why we give away everything that we do at City Hope we just we just try to give away as much as possible um, have you ever noticed that we don't do fundraisers I'm so grateful that we don't do fundraisers I hate fundraisers I hate fundraisers well we're gonna be having a Bake sale out in the lobby today for all youngs that want to come out there and get you something to send the kids to youth camp, you know. Well, I would rather, what I would rather do is let's just all be generous, and if somebody needs help going to youth camp, let's just write them a check so they can go to youth camp, right? That's just a better way to do it. Instead of nickel and diamond all the time, I just can't stand fundraisers. And, and so we give stuff away. Here in a little bit, you're going to go get some cupcakes out in the lobby. You're going to have some fun out there, and you don't have to pay for those cupcakes because you already paid for them last week. Right? You gave in the offering, and so we just use that money to buy your cupcakes, and we're not going to charge you for the T-shirt that you're, you know. We just, we just try our very best to give as much as possible. And this is true about First Saturday Serve. It's why at First Saturday Serve, people don't understand the concept of why are you giving this food away? How much does it cost? Nothing. Well, why, why aren't you selling it? Because we don't have to. Well, why are you doing it? Because we just want to be a blessing to you. Because God loves you and we do too. And they walk, they're like, I, I can't believe this. This is, this is free. Yeah. Well, give me 10. All right, give him 10. Let's go. <laughs> Extravagant generosity. Give, give him 10. Come on. 
Let's, let's go. A, a few months ago, we had this, um, we had a $2 car wash. Now, I just told you we don't do fundraisers. And this is true. We didn't do a fundraiser then. It was a bait and switch. We said $2 car wash, but here was the catch. We washed their car and gave them $2. All right? And it blew people away. They're like, what, what, what do you mean? Why are you giving me money? Oh, we're, we're giving you $2. I thought it was a $2 car wash. It is. We give you $2 for letting us wash your car. And they were, their minds were blown. I mean, what is going on? All right, because of that, a man named Kyle came to church the next day. He's been coming ever since. He's gone through the growth track. He's now serving on the dream team. He's using his gifts to make a difference in people's lives. Come on, somebody. That is what it's about. That's what it's about. It's why we do what we do. So um, I want to read this verse. It, it, comes from, it comes from John chapter 12, all right? This is, this is, this is good. I'm, I'm going to do this, and we'll try to wrap up. Six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus arrived at Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the same one he raised from the dead. Next verse says, that a dinner was prepared for Jesus. They want to honor Jesus. And Martha served, that's Lazarus' sister. Lazarus was eating at the table. And the next verse says that Mary took a 12-ounce jar of, of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, which sounds like it would smell terrible. <laughs> nard. Lard. That rhyming thing, I always think of that. So, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Now, get this. Jesus didn't have a proper anointing for burial, so she was, and she didn't know she was doing this, but she was in, in preparing him for burial, all right? So she anointed Jesus' feet with her hair, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. It's a, this is extravagant. I'm going to show you how it's extravagant in a moment because the next verse says, Judas said, who would later betray him, said, hey, that perfume was worth about a year's wages. Come on, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. This was an extravagant gift for Mary. I mean, this was a big deal. She poured out maybe, maybe her life's savings on the feet of Jesus that day. But what Judas saw was, was an opportunity to criticize somebody, to criticize her extravagance. Now, listen. Don't answer me out loud or don't show me your hand, but have you ever said the same thing about somebody else before? Maybe they bought a house or a car or they had something that you didn't have and you said, well, what they should have done was sold that and give it to the poor. And if you have, I'm not, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, but that is a sign that there's something wrong on the inside because it's self-centeredness. It's selfish. Because here's what happened. Judas didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. He was one of the disciples, y'all. And, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he would often take some for himself. So what he saw was an opportunity to take a little bit more. And listen to me. Don't, let's not ever criticize somebody else's extravagance because it might, it might not look like ours. It might not look like everybody's. It's not about the amount. It's about sacrifice. And listen, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about you can be generous with your time. 
how you serve. You can be generous with how you lead and doing small groups. You can be generous with your talents and, and the things that you do at church and the ways that you connect with people. You can be generous apart from money. But all I'm asking is don't ever let us become a Judas. Let's not ever become a Judas where we point our fingers at other churches and say, yeah, what they should have done is, is this. You know, they, they got too much money. They must have money running out of their ears over there. You know? No, no, we're not, not going to go there. We're going to be extravagantly generous ourselves because that's what Jesus did for us. Amen? So the Bible loves cheerful givers. The Bible loves people who, who want to give. And the thing I love about generosity is it's fun. Being generous is fun. Would anybody agree with me? It's first Saturday serve. It's fun. It's fun to do that. And so as you heard me talk about these power banks a minute ago. As, as part of um, our birthday celebration today, we got every one of you one of these power banks with City Hope logo on it right there so that you can, you can have some portable power. But we're going to have a little bit of fun with it too. So I want to go ahead and turn up some music. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the team's coming down the aisle. They're going to go ahead and pass those out to you right now. Come on. Come on. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. We got to get going. We got to get going. We got a lot of people to serve. We got a lot of people to serve. There's not enough bags. Come on, where y'all at? Bring them in. Bring them in. Let's go. Let's go. supposed to be it's supposed to be fun and enjoyable and so um so listen i, I want to say it this way closing up this this one part right here that it is more blessed to give if you liked that receiving it's way more fun to give come on if you liked receiving that gift it's way more fun to give than it is to just receive let's be extravagant all right, I gotta, I gotta hurry through these last ones. Number five, the fifth one is what we just did: joyful celebration. You saw, you saw somebody back here dancing, right? I'm, I'm trying to get it going up here. I'm not really that good at it, but joyful celebration. We're talking about church is supposed to be a party, not a presentation. Church is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable, not endurable. Yeah, y'all like going over to City Hope? Yeah, it's endurable. We. No, 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 no. It's enjoyable. It's fun. It's the time of my life. It's the best day of my week. I can't wait to get there. When I miss it, I miss it. We, we prayed that prayer for so long when we were starting this church. Let us be the kind of church that if people have to miss it, they actually miss coming to church. I love that. Number seven, number six, rather, consistent excellence. This is something that we strive for. We don't get it right all the time. 
but it's not about perfection, it's about excellence. Why? Not to please you, to please the King of Kings, because everything we do here is for His glory and His honor and His power. We, we want to we create an atmosphere where people can come to know Jesus, and that happens when we go the extra mile to exceed expectations, to create a place where people can know Jesus. And number seven is crazy love. We, we're going to be a church. We are a church with crazy love. I'm talking about we love people right where they are. Sin, issues, addicts, whatever. Every person has a story. Every story matters to God. With crazy love, crazy love. As I was preparing to close this message, I really felt like the Lord told me that I need to go back to extravagant generosity. And I want you to think about for a second the most extravagant thing that someone has ever done for you. Here on earth, a lot of people have blessed us through the years. And maybe one day over through a message, I can share that with you. How we've been blessed and how we've blessed others and how we've been extravagant at times in our lives. But when I think about all of those things that people have done for us, maybe they've done for you, none of it compares to what God the Father did for you. None of it compares to the extravagant gift that Jesus and the Father gave us. John 3.16 says it this way, that God loved you so much that he gave us, he, he gave such an extravagant gift. The extravagant gift was his one and only son. And if you believe in him, you won't perish. But if you believe in him, if you come to a life-giving relationship with him, if you really know him, then you can find freedom. Then you can discover your purpose. Then you can live your life making a difference for eternity. Come on. Will you bow your heads with me today? And let me just, let me just ask you, um, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he whispering to your heart today? Think about the sacrifice of Jesus. Think about the sacrifice, the extravagant sacrifice of his son, Jesus, for you. That he gave his life for you so you could know him, so that you could find freedom, so that you could discover purpose, so that you could make a difference, so that you could have this grace that we talked about, this hope, this, this passionate worship. He gave himself for you. And, and today, really the only appropriate response is for us to give ourselves to him. It's the most extravagant gift you could ever give the Father, is yourself. And if you don't know Christ, if you're far from God, if you don't have a relationship with him today, let me be clear that you can have that with one simple, heartfelt prayer. That God wants to be the Lord of your life, and he wants to lead you and guide you. All that's required is that you give him your life. If that's you, on the count of three, would you slip up your hand? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else in the room today wants to join these? Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else would say, that's me, Pastor Ben. I want to thank you right here. Who else would say, that's me, Ben? I, I, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want him. Thank you. I see you. 
on. Let's say this prayer together. Let's join these four or five people who lifted their hand and let's say this prayer together. Let's say, Jesus, thank you for the extravagant gift of your love. Please forgive me for living my way. I repent. I change my way. And I'm going to follow you. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life, to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. From this day forward, I will live for you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate, church. Come on, let's celebrate right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.